This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Buenos dias, good morning, and welcome to the third Mexico Moving Forward Symposium here at the beautiful campus of UCSD. Welcome to America's Finest vi Finest City, if you're visiting with us. My name is Laura Castaneda, or Laura, whichever you prefer. I'm a local journalist and also the chair of the communications department at San Diego City College. I've covered the border extensively as a journalist, so it gives me great pleasure to be here today. The Center for U.S.-Mexican Studies at the School of International Relations and Pacific Studies at UC San Diego is pleased to welcome everyone here today. During the day, we're going to hear presentations from experts on progress and challenges in Mexico 20 years after the signing of NAFTA. Dr. Antonio Ortiz Mena is the head of the Section of Economic Affairs at the Mexican Embassy in Washington, D.C. He was a professor of international relations at Centro de Investigación y Docencia Económicas, or CID, and held chair of the International Relations Department for three years and was a member of Mexico's NAFTA negotiation team. Welcome. Thank you. Buenos dias. Good morning, everyone. I am uh, Antonio Ortiz, the head of economic affairs at the Embassy of Mexico, and it really is an honor to be here with uh, President Napolitano, with uh, Chancellor Josla and Dean uh, Peter uh, Cowie. Uh, Ambassador Eduardo Medina Mora asked me to convey his best wishes for a very successful symposium and for a vigorous research and outreach agenda for the Center for U.S.-Mexican Studies and the UC system in general in the coming years. President Napolitano alluded to this, and I think there's a huge opportunity right before us, and we will grasp it. We will grasp it. I truly am among friends. Uh, many, many of those of you in the audience uh, I've seen in different uh, eras of uh, my life during the NAFTA negotiations at CIDE, at the Embassy of Mexico these uh, past years, uh, former professors, former students. So in a way, this is a very emotional uh, moment for me. And I'm also a graduate of UC San Diego. Uh, I spent about six years here. I, I earned my PhD the hard way you know, uh, here at uh, UCSD. But it's, it's, it's worth it. It's, it's, it's worth it. So I'm very, very proud to be here as a UCSD uh, graduate. At the symposium, we will learn about the arts and culture of uh, contemporary Mexico from the creators and artists themselves. We will hear a plurality of voices and views on NAFTA and on North American developments, on domestic reforms in Mexico, which are aimed at boosting productivity, economic growth, and employment in Mexico. We will hear about the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, in which the three North American countries are participating and which will result in very, very important rules for international economic engagement in the 21st century. We will also hear about the Pacific Alliance between Mexico, Colombia, Chile, and Peru, which is a very pragmatic and results-oriented model of open regionalism and surely we will hear about engaging with China. I think this is a critically important issue for Mexico and for North America as a whole. 
Now I believe that UCSD is uniquely poised to undertake path-breaking and rigorous research and outreach in all these topics with the Center for U.S.-Mexican Studies, CELAS, the Center for Iberian and Latin American Studies, the Institute of the Americas, IRPS. So both the venue and the topics that will be addressed today make for a very powerful combination, indeed. Given that the, in 2014 is the 20th anniversary of NAFTA's entry into force, and the North American Leaders Summit took place just about two weeks ago, I will center my remarks on where we see Mexico in the context of North America now and about North America in the future. An old African saying states that there are two ideal times to plant a tree, 20 years ago and right now. <laughs> well, we did plant a tree 20 years ago with NAFTA. And NAFTA represented a, a very big leap forward in the strategic outlook and the rules, government, economic interaction in North America. In the next section, a very distinguished panel will assess NAFTA. But I do want to underscore just how forward-looking the agreement was at its time. We need only recall the 1992 presidential debates in which a famous Texan and feisty independent candidate to the U.S. presidency Ross Perot said that NAFTA would create a giant sucking sound. I cannot do a very good Texan accent, but maybe you can imagine it. As uh, NAFTA sent U.S. jobs to Mexico because of wage differentials between both countries. At the same time, some groups in Mexico also feared a sucking sound, but in the exact opposite direction. They thought that Mexico would lose jobs because U.S. corporations were larger and had easy access to capital and technology. We were really treading upon new ground. There was no precedent for such a far-reaching trade agreement between a developing country and two developed countries. And by its scope and coverage, NAFTA was, in fact, the most advanced free trade agreement in the world. Now, assessing NAFTA has become somewhat of a cottage industry. But if one focuses on NAFTA's pre preamble, if you judge NAFTA on its own terms, the countries state that they seek to create an expanded and secure market for the goods and services produced in their territories to establish clear and mutually advantageous rules governing their trade and to ensure a predictable commercial framework for business planning and investment. If we focus on that, I think that NAFTA has been a clear success. Intra-NAFTA trade was about $288 billion in 1993, the year before NAFTA went into force, and it is now over $1 trillion, about 273% increase. Bilateral trade between Mexico and the U.S. went from about $80 billion to about $500 billion annually, which is about $1 million per minute. And that means that by the time I finish speaking, about 10 to 15, minutes, uh, 10 to 15 million dollars in bilateral trade will have uh, taken place. Mexico is now the third largest trade partner of the U.S. and second largest export destination. And in fact, the U.S. exports more to Mexico than to Japan and China combined, than to the BRIC countries combined. And I had to get this new statistic. Uh, soccer fans here know that the World Cup is on its way. And you might also know that in the history of the event, eight different countries have won the World Cup, or maybe nine if Mexico wins it uh, this year. And you might be surprised to hear that Mexico also buys more goods from the US than do all the eight countries that have won the FIFA World Cup combined. And I'll leave it to you to figure out which countries uh, these are. 
Now, while the goal of NAFTA was the establishment of a free trade area, something much more significant has happened. North America has become a region of shared production. We are jointly producing goods through the deeply integrated production and supply chains that have developed as a result of the clear, stable, and transparent rules established by NAFTA. And we are increasingly engaging in the global economy as a single region. The paradigmatic example of North American integrated production is the auto industry. But the aerospace industry has become increasingly salient. To give you just but one example, Bombardier, the Canadian aerospace company, is uh, producing uh, parts of the Learjet 85 in Querétaro, producing the fuselage. That jet uses Pratt & Whitney engines produced in Canada, and final assembly takes place in Wichita, Kansas. And as I said, this is just a single example of what is already taking place in North America. This is due not only to the trade that has taken place, but to the intra-regional investment. It might not surprise you to learn that the U.S. is the main foreign investor in Mexico, and uh, it it invested about $168 billion from 1999 to 2013 in Mexico, which is just about half of total foreign direct investment in Mexico. But you might also be interested to learn that Mexican investment in the U.S. is also growing significantly. Uh, there are different estimates, but uh, on one count is that there, were, there was about $20 billion worth of Mexican investment in the U.S. from 1999 to 2013. And 40 out of the 50 states of the U.S. have at least one world-class Mexican-based company, such as Cemex, Gruma, Grupo Alfa, Grupo Mexico, Lala, Bimbo, and Mexichem there. So... You know, this is not only the U.S. investing in Mexico, this is Mexico investing in the U.S. This growing intra-regional investment can be seen in the percentage of U.S. value added in U.S. imports. It is 2% from Japan and from the European Union. It is 3% for imports from Brazil and 4% for Chinese imports. It is 25% for imports from Canada and 40% for imports from Mexico. That is to say... U.S. imports from Mexico have 10 times more value added than U.S. imports from China. Now, the success of NAFTA was largely the result of the rules of the agreement, but particularly the trade and investment decisions made by business leaders during these past two decades. But if we are to take North American integration and competitiveness to the next level, we need to have a much stronger and proactive engagement between the public and private sector and to truly think and act regionally. The world economy has changed radically in these last two decades. Services loom much larger now, as they did 20 years ago, as does e-commerce. We have advanced manufacturing, including 3D printing, which means that we need a very highly skilled workforce, streamlined regulations, and vastly improved infrastructure and logistics, not only at border crossings, but throughout North America. And by the way, I believe uh, there was an excellent program at UCSD TV last April, hosted by uh, Dean Cowie, about uh, advanced manufacturing in the U.S., perhaps a new program on advanced manufacturing in North America could be done. The energy landscape, yeah, all right, great. You see, we're always already doing things. The energy landscape has also changed dramatically. 
During the NAFTA negotiations, Mexico did not open its hydrocarbon sector to foreign investment, but with last December's constitutional reform, Mexico's horizons are to change radically and for the better. Meanwhile, according to the International Energy Agency, the U.S. is slated to overtake Saudi Arabia and Russia as the world's top oil producer in 2015, and in its energy outlook to 2040, ExxonMobil estimated that by 2020, North America would become a net natural gas exporter and a net export of oil around 2030. North America thus has all the necessary energy resources to fuel its economic growth for a long time, and reliable and affordable energy will be a key component in ensuring a very competitive North American manufacturing base. So we need what needs to be done and are already making strides. Last September, Vice President Joe Biden was in Mexico, and he formally launched the High-Level Economic Dialogue, the so-called HLED. Under the HLED, uh, the Mexican and U.S. governments, in close coordination with stakeholders, will foster a series of initiatives aimed at reducing transaction costs to businesses in the region. We are launching initiatives in areas such as transportation, telecoms, strategic logistics corridors. I believe logistics will become increasingly important for the competitors of the North American region. And in addition to the HLED, last May, President Peña Nieto and Obama agreed to create the Bilateral Forum on Higher Education, Innovation and Research, which we call FOBESI for its Spanish acronym. The FOBESI will develop a shared vision for educational cooperation with a view to expanding economic opportunities in both countries and developing workforce attuned to the needs of the 21st century economy. In close collaboration with academia, business and stakeholders, FOBESI will develop initiatives on, among other issues, workforce development, student and academic mobility, research, technological development and innovation partnerships, and language instruction. The Mexican Fobesia Advisory Group has already presented what we call the Proyecta 100,000, Proyecta 100, which aims to send 100,000 Mexican higher education students to the U.S. by 2018 and is part of the proposed 100 plus 50 strategy, which aims to send 50,000 U.S. students to study in Mexico also by 2018. These are doubtless very, very ambitious goals, but I think we have to be very ambitious. And I think this is particularly relevant given that Mexico comes in at ninth place in the number of higher education students in the U.S. And I think we can and we should and we will do much better. Let me now turn briefly to the Toluca Summit, which provided a new impetus to trinational engagement by highlighting some of the commitments that have a bearing on North American co competitiveness. I'll just list some of them so that you get a sense of the initiatives that we are pursuing in terms of North American competitiveness. Maybe some of these, this information, uh, even though it's publicly available, does not register. I think it's, it's very, very important just to get a sense of what we are doing. We will develop a North American competitiveness work plan focused on investment and innovation. We will jointly promote and support to underscore jointly promote trade and investment in sectors where our integrated production chains give us a comparative advantage. I gave the example of the auto sector and the aerospace sector. We will conduct a mapping of industrial clusters to promote development, innovation and investment. I'm sure there's a huge potential between San Diego and Tijuana. We will establish a North American transportation plan 
we will build on existing bilateral border mechanisms to expedite the safe movement of goods across North America and promote trilateral exchanges and logistics corridors. We will strengthen regulatory cooperation in order to reduce transaction costs for businesses. Right now, we focus more on two bilateral regulatory initiatives. We will try to see where there are complementarities to take a trilateral as opposed to bilateral approach. We will establish a North American Trusted Traveler Program, which will allow vetted travelers to more easily cross borders between the three countries. Turning more to educational issues, we will establish a trilateral council for research, development, and innovation, and promote joint research in national laboratories and universities, strengthening links with companies across North America. And finally, we will hold a meeting of energy ministers of North America to explore common strategies on energy efficiency, infrastructure, innovation, renewable energy, non-conventional energy sources, energy trade, and responsible development of energy resources. So, as you can see, and to paraphrase uh, Shakespeare, if I may, uh, the Toluca summit was much ado about North American competitiveness. <laughs> These commitments are building on the foundation that we laid some 20 years ago and are an acknowledgement that our economies are not in a zero-sum game with each other, but rather are competing together as one unit in the global marketplace. And while North America is one of the most competitive and dynamic regions in the world, there's still huge untapped potential. Looking towards the future, PricewaterhouseCoopers has estimated that in 2050, the five largest economies in the world will be China, the US, India, Brazil, and Japan, Mexico will be the seventh largest economy in 2050 after Russia. The US and Canada will be the top two countries in the world in 2050 in terms of GDP per capita, while Mexico will be the top Latin American country in that regard. But the future is not a foregone conclusion. The future is what we make of it. And here I want to mention my uh, dear friend, the late Bob Pastor founder of the Center for North American Studies at American University. I had a, a long discussion with him some time ago. A lot of people had discussions with uh, Dear Bob. And um, he said that one should not pursue aims because they are feasible, but they are desirable. And in forging the future of North America, we are making feasible what is desirable. And I believe that we must remain as forceful and as ambitious as were those who spearheaded NAFTA negotiations more than 20 years ago. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.